The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Uh, it is something brand new. We keep saying we're branching out on the Big Fight Weekend podcast and the podcast feed, and we have something now from TopHeavyweights.com. It's TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast. My goodness, there's so much to always talk about with the heavyweight division, and who better do it than the man from TopHeavyweights.com. Sean is back aboard. Now, maiden voyage on this podcast. Good to have you. Uh, thank you for being willing to do this, at least on a semi-regular basis here as we go along. And I know we're both excited to talk about what you love and I love as well, and that's the heavyweight division in boxing. We're fans of you, and thanks for having us on. It's great <laughs> to be here, and uh, anything we can do to spread the word on the excitement of the heavyweight division is what we're all about. There's a lot of things cooking. There's a lot of things that are quiet. It's uh, It's almost like something with enormous potential, which is just shaking and waiting to burst. And you just know it's going to happen sometime soon. Well, let's hope that that is the case uh, with everything that we're doing and with the heavyweight division cranking back up. I mean, we've already had a tremendous Tyson Fury win over Dillian White to get our 2022 going. We anticipate an upcoming rematch with Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua for uh, July. Why, why do I start hesitating and almost getting a nervous tick and a twitching eye when I hear Eddie Hearn continuing to repeat? We'll have an announcement next week, mate. We'll have an announcement next week, mate. That's what he said over and over again for Fury Joshua was we'll have an announcement next week mate we'll have an announcement next week mate i keep yeah. hearing that but hopefully we will get that fight so our, our appetite is whetted but uh sean we're going to talk not only about the biggest names but some of the up-and-comers the contenders on this podcast it is what you do 24 7 on topheavyweights.com is talk about the depth and the breadth of this division right absolutely uh the perspective we have is that the heavyweight division which is a great introduction to the sport of boxing is full of enough talent and enough activity. Well, I shouldn't say activity, but enough talent to produce a full-time sporting journalistic investigation for lack of a better descriptive. There's a lot of stories there. There's a lot of guys coming up. There's more than you can actually cover. So, um, for those that are interested, it's a great it's a great way to hone in on something. And if you're following your heavyweight from any part of the world, uh, you get to sort of go to top heavyweights and find out, OK, where's the heavyweight I follow in the perspective of the entire league, which is how we present it. Well, and you do a tremendous job. And again, I've been a reader of your site. I've been in contact with Sean. Everybody should know this for probably the better part of about a year or more going back and forth about the heavyweight division. He's an excellent resource with this. So we've now brought it into podcast form and welcomed it into the Big Fight Weekend podcast network of shows. Again, we'll be here semi-regularly. Sean can't take me every week right now. I got to warm him up into taking me every week right now. I'm just joking. Uh, we'll do this semi-regularly. 
as the developments warn and as the biggest things are, and his and his site is there. Uh, we again remind everybody. I'm always promoting Sean. I'm always promoting. Yep. We remind everybody that however you found out about this through Sean's site, TopHeavyweights.com, whether you found us through a social media link and found the link to this podcast on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Go ahead and follow or subscribe the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, you'll find the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed and top heavyweights will be there. And if you're following and subscribing, Sean, as we like to say, they get an automatic notification. They get a ding. They get a green light on their phone, on your iPad, on your device. You won't even have to have the social media link or the nudge from your website, topheavyweights.com, if you're following or subscribing. So please do that for us. And then you will find the very latest. So with all of the intros, all of the fun at the beginning out of the way, let's put let's roll the sleeves up. Let's put right. into motion here about the heaviest. Let's start with Tyson Fury just real quick. Point blank. The man keeps saying, I'm retired. I I, I will I will wait. Please tell me, do you believe him? Well, he's not retired. He was uh, actually uh, spoken to by the president of the WBC. And the president asked him clearly, uh, are you vacating the belt? Are you retiring? Should we make plans to fill the vacancy? And he said <laughs> that that process was not to start. Like, <laughs> we don't know what he said exactly, but no, he didn't say, yes, go ahead and vacate. I've retired. I have to say that based on boxing's history, especially in recent years, meaning the last 10, 20, saying famous boxers who make a lot of money, saying they've retired after a big win, has become somewhat expected uh, for a lot of the ones who are make like, I think Floyd Mayweather mm -hmm. many times said it was his last fight. And Mike Tyson did that many times, said he thinks this is his last fight. Um, Sugar so Ray I, Leonard is another one that a couple, absolutely. two or three different times, and Muhammad Ali probably to to bring it back to heavyweights made this the most famous in the late seventies because I think he he literally announced his retirement at least five times. This yeah, will be did. my last yeah. one. This will be my last one. Yeah, now yeah. what are we up to? This is the fourth. This will be my last one. Right. So it's not uncommon. I would agree with you. He's well. Got, it's a mar it's a marketing ploy. He's got too much legacy, Sean, on the line. Mm -hmm. He's got too much financially, even in the distance. I know he's made a ton off these last two Deontay Wilder fights, but my God, if you're talking about a fifty million dollar guarantee for an undisputed fight against either Anthony Joshua or Alexander Usyk, I, I don't know how you walk away from that. I don't think he does walk away from that. So you and I are at least agreement in agreement on the first podcast at the beginning here. We ain't, as we like to say in the South, we ain't buying it. We no. ain't buying it here on Tyson Fury, right? No. And even if he, uh, I mean, for example, Lennox Lewis, when he unified the title and became undisputed against Evander Holyfield in 99, uh, I guess he could have packed it in there saying there's not much more to accomplish, but he came back in his next bout and fought Michael Grant. He even gave up the WBA heavyweight championship to take that fight against Michael Grant. And, and he fought more, I mean, I think Tyson Fury is at a point where he should be looking at defending the undisputed championship a few times after defeating, if he defeats, the winner of Usyk Joshua. Um, there's just legacy there. And I think if you want to enter the, 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 the discussions with Joe Lewis, if you want to enter the discussions with Vladimir Klitschko, if you want to enter the discussions uh, with even Rocky Marciano, 
you have to defend the undisputed championship a number of times. Uh, it's not the same to say, well, I did defend one of the belts a number of times and then eventually became undisputed. If you're comparing apples to apples, it's not equal. Being the undisputed champion is not the same as being the WBA heavyweight champion. Well, the WBC or whichever. Whatever. It should, yeah. it should be noted. He won the undisputed title from Klitschko. And as we all know, famously went off the deep end psychologically, drinking, well, just, drugs. Yes. Well, he had a problem. But just to say one thing, he didn't win the undisputed championship from Klitschko. He won the unified, the unified championship yeah. and, and, he, and, the lineal, and the lineal title. And right. the only reason I make that distinction, TJ, is just because we haven't had an undisputed champion in over 22 years. And you would be the authority on that. And that's why I defer yeah. to you, but yeah. he never defended it is my point. He went off the deep end, yeah. the depression, yeah, yeah, drugs, yeah. alcohol, weight balloon. He never defended it. Yeah. All right. So now he got the victory over Deontay Wilder in February of 2020. We have the COVID-19 pandemic that shuts down the sport, grinds yeah. everything to a halt for the rest of 2020. We finally come around to him defending it against Wilder and winning defending it against Dillian White, a couple of defenses. Right. I just I, I ain't buying it that he's done now. I think you will see him back in an undisputed situation with the winner of Joshua and Usyk. I don't know if that's this year, but I think I think he'll be back, and I think you echo that with me. All right, another subject here on TopHeavyweights.com. We just had a very intriguing heavyweight bout this past weekend, not a title bout, but certainly a contender, somebody – Fair to say, Sean of TopHeavyweights.com, Tony Yoka on the fringe of championship contention, not in championship contention yet. No. But, man, he got embarrassed by Martin Bacoli of the Congo. Yoka, the French former Olympic gold medalist, unbeaten in his career. But I think some have been arguing largely untested. Boy, did he get tested. Boy, did he get beaten up in a 10-round decision. Your thoughts on what happened? Well, he had a pedigree going into that fight, Tony Yoka, where he had actually fought some of the better competition as far as the the what we call the fringe contenders, the guys that are pushing their way into the top 10, but they're not there yet. And when I say top 10, I mean the top 10 of all the heavyweights. He, um, I think he was brought in as the star. He was the star of the show. The whole arena was there for him. The whole broadcast was there for him. The entire setup was there for him. Martin Bacoli, I'd say at the, t- at the time of the fight's uh, signing, Yoko was probably top 15, and uh, Bacoli was probably top 20, somewhere in there. But Yoko had all the momentum. But Bacoli came in there and brought it real, real quick, and made Yoko know that he was in a fight. And Bacoli was there to take as much damage as he needed to take, if he needed to take it. And he went in with that attitude. I think Yoka thought that he could stay out of danger the whole way through. I thought Yoka hadn't accepted the idea that he was up against another top heavyweight and that it was going to be an actual conflict, which takes damage in both both parties have to take damage. I don't think Yoka fully accepted that. What do you make of the early knockdown? Obviously shakes your confidence. Then he busted his nose and the nose bled for the rest of the fight. I did not hear final aftermath confirmation if it was a broken nose. It certainly bled like it was a broken nose. Do you buy into that he faced that adversity early of the knockdown and the busted nose and just did not respond? And that is a bad sign for the future that when the adversity came, El Foldo. He just wasn't, you buy that. Yeah. He went into boxing amateur mode, avoiding, you know, using all of his techniques not to get hurt anymore while trying to 
do enough to maybe convince the judges that there was something there. And he almost got away with it. Um, I just think he got a taste of what Bacoli was bringing to the table. And he felt that if he took any more, he might end up knocked out. Um, I think he made the decision that I'm going to try to see if I can skate through this without taking too much damage. And uh, Bacoli wasn't having any of it. And um, that's what happened. And I think in terms of uh, Tony Yoka's ability to get down and dirty with a real, like a wilder fury fight, could he handle that kind of thing? Got an early preview that it wasn't good. Do you believe those two will rematch soon that Yoka has to get, uh, as, as we often refer to, uh, cleaned up. He has to get the stink off of him of that loss. Do you believe a rematch? I see you shaking your head no. Because well, he, he, he can get the rematch if his people want to pay Bacoli the money, and it'll be a lot more. Um, but I think his, him rematching with Bacoli would be the same decision as Kovnaki rematching with Hellenius. Um, you're going to end up with a worse beating than the first time because the keys are already there. Uh, Bacoli just has to turn up the heat and Bacoli's chin is strong enough. He's big enough and he's talented enough. He's a solid boxer and Billy Nelson's done a great job with him in, in uh, Scotland. As you say, he's from the Congo, the democratic Congo. And actually Yoka's also, um, uh, comes from there in his heritage. Um, I just think Tony Yoka is going to have to, he's probably going to go on a rebuild and, uh, it's, it won't be an easy rebuild. And as far as Bacoli, I think Bacoli is going to get a call from someone who thinks they have the, the keys to take care of him differently than uh, Tony Yoka did. And, uh, but, but Bacoli's in the driver's seat. He's going to be offered. He's very much uh, in a position like uh, Robert Hellenius, solid wins. There's no denying them. He's right there. How does he capitalize or, you know, does he, is he going to be an A side? I think probably for Bacoli, he's going to get a, an offer to be a B-side in a much higher profile bout. That's a good way to put it, yeah. and we'll see if that's the case. Uh, we move along on TopHeavyweights.com. We're covering as much as we can here yeah. uh, with Sean from TopHeavyweights.com. It's great to have uh, him aboard. Deontay Wilder, all right, I made reference to that name, beaten t- twice by Tyson Fury, uh, beaten most recently in October of last year. I have already put out there in our Big Fight Weekend podcast and our coverage that while I, I favor him, I love the story and what it became, I just don't know if he's ever going to be back on the big stage. I don't know that he wants to be at 36 years of age, and he made a ton of money. Way in here on will we see him again? Will we see him again soon? They're putting a statue up of him, by the way, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, his hometown, Roll Tide. Yeah, on the 25th. On the yeah. 25th coming up. Yeah. So yeah. let me let me recount this. A guy that has basically come from meager means, from poverty level, has risen to prominence in boxing, made tens of millions of dollars, been the heavyweight champion of the world. They put a statue up for you in your hometown. He's going to come back for what reason? What, what else is there for him? I just wonder, what is your thought, real quick? Oh, competitive spirit, a heck of a lot of money. I mean, Joshua Wilder is still a huge fight. Uh, Wilder against Andy Ruiz is a huge fight. Um, he, the, again, we, I make reference to the president of the WBC, Jose Suleiman. He has just, um, reported or put the word out in the last day or two that he has spoken to Deontay Wilder and Wilder's looking forward to resuming his career later in 2022. 
which probably means early 2023. (laughs) And he's got a big, big different issue in that he's three or four years older than Fury. He's significantly older. Well, he's maybe only two or three years older than Usyk, but he's significantly older than Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Father, father time is different right now for the bronze bomber. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And he's suffered injuries, but I think we live in a time where 36 is younger than it used to be. And that includes training methods and all kinds of things. If you look at Kubrat Pulev, who just fought last weekend against Jerry Forrest, solid, convincing. He looked happy. He looked like he was enjoying himself. He looked confident against a guy who fought to a draw with Michael Hunter and Zhang Zaili in his last two fights, but he won convincingly. He's 41. Mm -hmm. Good point. Uh, uh, I just think it comes down to how fresh you are in your mind. How It's not so much the age of the car. It's how many odometers are on the, uh, the ticker there. And I think that uh, Wilder's got a bit. If he were to never box again, I'd be surprised. So you're not taking the under on he never comes back. I don't know. I don't know that he's back. I think, I think, uh, yeah. I, I mean, this was a guy, I think it's worth saying, and then we'll move along real quick. Yeah. He was fighting at the beginning of his career for two or $300. Let me say that yeah. again. He's fighting and a lot of fighters do this. Your first few fights, you're making almost nothing in a ballroom somewhere and or a some, gymnasium somewhere. So to go from that, Sean, as you know, yeah. to making $30 million, yeah. you now have some kind of comfort level and they've honored you. Uh, with a statue, et cetera, in your hometown, yeah, yeah. the comfort level. I don't know. Uh, well, you could, I mean, it's hard to imagine, or maybe some people could. If you imagine yourself living your life, you've got a huge mansion, you've got a pool, you've got everything you need, you've got financial security, your family likes you, everything's fine. As a person, you can have all that. You can sit in your giant living room and you could look at your giant screen TV but that's not enough. Mm. And uh, that's not enough for anybody. And you can look at the, the multi-billionaires in the world, the Elon Musk's or whatever. You could say, well, you've got all this. I mean, even uh, your former president, Donald Trump, before he ran for office, he was already doing very well. He, was, he had a lovely wife. He had children. Everything's fine. But that's not enough. And uh, Bezos of, uh, of Amazon wants to go to space, for example, uh, to, your biggest, to your biggest point. What's the so, next challenge? What's so the next de- thing? Yeah, so for Deontay Wilder, he would have to ask himself the question, does he think he has what it takes to make a legitimate run at the undisputed heavyweight championship? Could he win a belt? Of course he could win a belt. I'm sure Mahmoud Char or someone, not sorry, um, what's his name, Trevor Bryan or whoever wins that regular WBA belt would be happy to get a big paycheck to be uh, beaten soundly. Um, and, And he could claim he's got the belt, the title back, right? But I think the real goal that every heavyweight who understands the history of the sport, the history of the lineage, it's the undisputed. And Usyk said it very clearly. They said, do you plan to be heavyweight champion? He goes, no, undisputed heavyweight champion. If you're not the undisputed heavyweight champion, you're not the same as Joe Lewis. You're not the same as Muhammad Ali. You're not the same as Jack Dempsey. There's only one man at the top. And right now we don't, we have a man at the top, but he's not the undisputed champion. He is the acknowledged number one heavyweight in the world. If Tyson Fury wants to retire with that, that's fine. Just like uh, Vladimir Klitschko did, retired with the unified title. I mean, well, lost. And then the point is he never fought his brother. He never became undisputed. If you're, if the fact that we haven't had an undisputed champion in over 20 years has been a sting on the sport 
and it has, and it's something that if a heavyweight wants to claim to be historically embedded in the sports lineage or lexicon, they have to win the undisputed heavyweight championship. That's it. Lennox Lewis knew he had to do it. He had to do it. Very good stuff here. Okay, speaking of nostalgia, you've mentioned Marciano, you've mentioned Ali. Uh, we're going to do this from time to time here on TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast. We do have some nostalgic uh, dates in and around the time period we're releasing this podcast. Rocky Marciano, by the way, earlier this week on May the 16th of 1955, beat someone named Don Cockle by uh, TKO in the ninth round in San Francisco. And what, uh, Sean, that was his second to last fight for Marciano. That's uh, right. In in May of 55. So there's a little historical reference from our time period that we're doing this. Yeah, Don Cockle was a a tough guy, but it was a a bit of a gimme defense for Marciano. And uh, some would suggest he was doing that at the end. But um, he only had one more fight against the great Archie Moore later in 55. And then he retired. I believe in April of 56, he retired and undefeated 49 and 0. Uh, the record still stands. And until a heavyweight breaks that record, it stands. <laughs> and that's it. This in terms of heavyweights. And it's interesting at the time, I remember reading some of this, and I know you're much more well-read and, and more lit on this. Uh, but when he retired, there were many who believed he would come back. Absolutely. He would fight again. And he never did. When he did he, walk he, away, there was no return fight to your point. There was no return fight, but he did go into training in 1959 to potentially challenge the new champion, Ingemar Johansson. That was discussed. He went into, the, into training. We don't know all the details, but what we do know is that when he did it, he felt it wasn't there. And he left, he dropped the training and, and nothing was, he never said, and the great thing was Marciano was a class act. He never said in the press that I'm in training for this or that I'm looking to do this. He went in and made his own private um, investigation about his skills and he felt that he couldn't bring the best back and he didn't want to make the mistake that his hero joe lewis had made um which of course uh, marciana was the one who retired lewis very interesting uh, another uh, arguably one of the most famous controversial moments in not just boxing history but in sports history is the muhammad ali anniversary with sonny liston the rematch yeah. yeah and that and that anniversary is coming now on may 25th as we release this podcast that is may 25th 1965 where ali had changed his name from cassius clay converted to islam Took the Muslim name of Muhammad Ali and knocked out Sonny, Lu- uh, Sonny Liston yeah. in just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Or did he, Sean, of TopHeavyweights.com? It has been debated for decades now, all the way into a new century about yes. was that really a punch? Was it enough of a punch to knock out a mean, brawling, bruising Sonny Liston? All right, so that anniversary is coming up as well. Do you... Do you have a thought here yep. was it was it a legit knockout punch that landed that day in lewiston maine for ali overliston it was for sure the kind of punch that would have made any heavyweight because liston was coming in and he was definitely hit with that sharp twisting overhand i think it was a right mm-hmm. and uh, that punch would have stung or made any heavyweight stumble perhaps go down but i think the other part of the equation is that the sunny liston who showed up for that match was not the same Sonny Liston from three, two, three years before. And, and the reason for that is, was I think he was deflated as a person. And I think that once the guy that he had to chase around in the first fight 
And yes, sure, he took some heavy leather, but he had to chase Ali in the first fight. In this fight, he was chasing him. And within two minutes, as you say, Ali landed that anchor punch, as he called it. And I think when Liston hit that, it did fell him. But I think he he saw the writing was on the wall. And um, and then, of course, Jersey Joe messed up things. Uh, we all, you know, <laughs> all that happened. Referees, right, the former right. heavyweight champion, yes. Jersey Joe Walcott. The great, the great Jersey Joe. Who yes. had maybe as much business as one of my 14-year-old twin girls being in that ring trying to figure out what's the count, what am I doing, and it was well, just we, Well, we talk, we, we talk about, you know, people always say, well, the boxing is do, not doing well enough, or they say the heavyweight division, that da-da-da. But if you look back then in 1965, it was in Lewiston, Maine. Not a lot of hype. Not a lot of people were interested. And in fact, um, it became a bit of a carnival. Um, and, a mess. And, yeah. I actually have a little insight on this, and you know, you do too on the historical perspective. They wanted to have the fight in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, at the old, I believe, at the old Boston Garden, where the Celtics and the Boston Bruins played hockey. And and Massachusetts would not license the fight because there was belief of organized crime being tied to it. There were problems. They couldn't find a venue, Sean. They end up in a tiny hockey arena in the middle of Lewiston, Maine, which never before and never since has had a heavyweight title fight. And it wasn't even sold out, to your point, that day. It only had only a couple of thousand people there and was not even a full arena that day. Just a bizarre... And people were talking about the end of the sport at that time. I mean, they, they, I, there was literally the crowd didn't know who, you know, you, the feeling at the time in 65 was based on his conversion to Islam and the, mm-hmm. the nation that it was not seen in a good light by most people. But you had Sonny Liston, who was known to be connected to organized crime. So really, the crowd didn't know who to boo for. It was a very <laughs> a strange kind of a strange thing. And as it turns out, Ali got arguably the most controversial heavyweight title win ever uh, on on was it legit, was it not legit, et cetera. And the anniversary of that, again, is coming on May the 25th. One other quick nostalgic one, and this involves Mike Tyson's rise to the Undisputed Championship because he has uh, an anniversary date where he defeated Pinklon Thomas on May the 30th of 1987 on that same night in Las Vegas on the undercard of the Tyson title fight for the WBA, WBC titles. The IBF championship went to Tony Tucker. Tony Tucker beat a guy named Buster Douglas on the undercard. Here's, this is fascinating. We could do an hour on this. We don't have an hour. No, no. But that's the undercard fight that Tucker wins, and it enables him to get a huge payday and fight Mike Tyson for the undisputed title because he's got one of the belts. Buster Douglas was winning that fight with Mm -hmm. Tony Tucker. If Buster Douglas wins that fight with Tony Tucker, he's in the ring, obviously, Sean, you know this, for the Mike Tyson fight later in 1987. It happens three years earlier. And probably Mike Tyson wipes him out. You don't know Absolutely. for sure, but I think you're right. That's what happens. Instead, the dynamic is Tucker wins the undercard fight. Tyson dispatches Pinklon Thomas. Tyson eventually beats Tony Tucker three or four months later. He's got the undisputed titles, defends him, etc. And Buster Buster Douglas, like a planet orbiting uh, around the sun, comes back around to Mike Tyson in February of 1990 and stuns him then. How about all of that? I connected oh. some serious dots there. Ser- for, ser- for serious? Well, it was, uh, again, it was the future. These were significant things, and Buster Douglas shocked the world. And uh, the, the Douglas that came in in 1990, February, against that Tyson, won convincingly. And uh, 
I think for me personally, that was my lightning bolt. I was always into boxing and heavyweight boxing, but that event lightning bolted myself into the sport because it was so it was so these upsets i mean clay's upset of liston to go back to that was as shocking and stunning to to hear those tell it in the 1960s as anything you can imagine leon spinks upsetting ali shocking stunning olympic champion we just go through the chronology now of tyson being stunned by buster douglas you move it into the present day and what Andy Ruiz did to Anthony Joshua that seemingly came out of nowhere. There always seems to be one of these every few years, every decade, that just is like you said, a lightning bolt. A lightning bolt, and but again, I have to put Buster Douglas in his own category because mm. that upset is debatably in big time sporting events. The greatest upset, not just in heavyweight boxing history, boxing history, perhaps greatest upset in sports history. And if you look at it in terms of its magnitude, it was um, it was incredible, and um, it set just the, because it set the I've said this so many times, but I want to say it to you: just because Mike Tyson was seemingly invincible, right. unbeatable, we can't convey that enough to younger fans right. that are maybe under the age of thirty that yeah. might hear this, or under the age of thirty-five that don't remember February of nineteen ninety because of how young they were. Tyson at that time, it was believed, was going to have the title, the undisputed championship, for a decade and was going to beat anybody and everybody with intimidation and punching power. So yeah, it was he, yeah. just stunning, Sean, what yeah. happened. He was at, Tyson was at a point where the fights were happening. This fight happened in Japan. The reason it happened in Japan is because people in North America were not willing to pay to watch Mike Tyson knock someone out in 90 seconds, which he had done in the previous one against Carl Williams. And now it was at a point, and of course, Michael Spinks, but it had gotten to a point where Tyson was starting to beat the contenders Number two, number three, number four. Evander Holyfield was there. We were looking forward to that at the time. But he was cleaning out the entire top 10 viciously. And it wasn't conceivable that anyone in the top 20, below the top 10, would somehow be able to up. It was just, yeah, it was. It was stunning. It was a lightning bolt. It was every one of those things. But the curious thing is, again, with the anniversary this week, it could have happened in 1987. And it didn't because Buster Douglas either uh, got very fatigued and or kind of mentally checked out and waved the white flag and Tony Tucker stopped him and beat him that night on the undercard of the Tyson Pinklin Thomas knockout. And that's why Tucker got the title shot. Tucker, Tucker himself, Tony Tucker was a great heavyweight. I mean, he fought. If you watch his fight with Mike Tyson, he's not out of his league. He lasted the distance with it to your point. Yeah. Yeah. He was no Tony Tucker had a rough ride for uh, career reasons. And I, I, I always think of him as being a guy who had a lot more to give than he actually, but again, uh, he didn't win the Tyson fight. And that was his defining um, question uh, in terms of. All right. Just a few moments left here uh, with Sean from topheavyweights.com, the maiden voyage, the inaugural topheavyweights.com podcast. I'm thrilled to be here with Sean. And again, we'll be here semi-regularly yep. uh, going over this. Uh, as much as he can put up with me, I keep saying that in self-deprecation. Uh, anything else here? I know Jarrell Big Baby Miller, please. Speaking of, yeah. of mm-hmm. Andy Ruiz's upset, he took advantage of the all-time moment to step in for the failed drug test of Big Baby Miller um, and how the world might have been different if Anthony Joshua was fighting that guy instead of fighting Ruiz back in 2019. So he's announced he's trying to come back, may fight yeah. later this year. Do you care yeah. even one iota about that real quick? Quick answer. The actual fight itself, no, because he's taking on a Nigerian heavyweight who's already lost two, uh, 
two bouts which define his his level. So no, the fight itself is not interesting. Is Jarrell Miller the character going to play a part in the future? He's willing to play the bad guy. I think he's coming back as the bad guy. He knows he's the bad guy. And um, in the world of heavyweight boxing, he's a big name. If he wins, he will win his comeback fight on June 25th. No question about it. And we'll have to see where the ranking organizations and where the general public considers him to be based on his condition, based on his form, everything. We'll wait and see. Can he stay off the performance-enhancing drugs, which he's not been able to? He's flunked more drug tests since then. That's a legitimate question, not just sarcasm and humor. Yeah. He's going, to have, he's, he's going to have to because he'll be under a microscope. And, will, if, and, and, he, and by the way, he did fail drug tests after yes. it's alleged, after the Joshua mess. So um, I think he's going to be under a microscope and he doesn't have a choice. And if it, if it happens again, he could be banned for life. Uh, there is a bout this weekend as we release the podcast, followed by another fight next week involving heavyweights. I'm going to try the name. Correct me. Jean Kasabutsky. It was Jan, close. Yes. Jan Kasabutsky. Zan Kasabutsky. You okay. were right on. Uh, no, he's an exciting heavyweight, a dark horse. He's probably number 30 in the world, undefeated. He's going to be fighting Johan Duapa. So he's going to win this. It's going to be free on YouTube to watch anywhere in the world live the entire card. That'll be interesting. So depending on when they're yeah. hearing us, this is coming the weekend of the 21st as we release the podcast. You may be yes. hearing us later and know how yeah. Jean yeah. did with Johan Duwapa. Duwapa got knocked out by uh, Alexander Povetkin. He also previously got stopped by Deontay yeah. Wilder. He's been Tony Yoka. A, Tony Yoka. He's been kind yeah. of a journeyman. Uh, European heavyweight, they're fighting this fight in Germany. And before we're back again, Otto yeah. Valin, yes. who fought Tyson Fury, who was supposed to have fought Dillian White, before Dillian White bowed out and White got his uh, title shot with Fury. Valin has had a couple of fights since fighting Fury. He's fighting Rydell Booker. There's that name again, Rockin' Rydell Booker, who's yeah. been around for 15 years in the heavyweight division. They will fight in Dearborn, Michigan, uh, on Memorial Day weekend, after we release this podcast, coming in about ten days from when we're talking. So I'm just curious: Does Valine get the win? Does he stay relevant yeah, he, on the on the fringe of contention? I know you're curious well, too. Yeah, I'm. I, I think he'll get a, a decision win. Uh, Booker's pretty tough. Um, I would be shocked if uh, Valine lost that. He's, uh, you know, things change. The sands shift, and he hasn't been able to get the offer that he thinks is right for his career yet. But with Bacoli beating Tony Yoka, with things happening, it shifts the sands. And what's great about the heavyweight division is that everyone's going to have to find a dance partner. Everyone's going to have to find a way forward. And if you wait too long on the sidelines, you become inactive, you make no money, and you watch your career drain away. So the pressure keeps building on all these heavyweights that are undefeated. If they don't make a move for whatever deal has to be made, and eventually you got a couple of, I mean, that's why Charles Martin fought Luis Ortiz. Those were two guys that were in there in terms of the relevance in the division, but neither one had a springboard to make something happen. Ortiz won it by knockout. Everyone likes to attack him all the time. I think it's a little unfair, um, but he is in a position now and he will be appearing in his next bout, assuming PBC doesn't put him out to pasture. He'll be in a big fight. And I think it's, there's a chance it's going to be against Andy Ruiz Jr., all right, and that's and that, yeah. 
That's and a big we'll one. find out later on this summer. So there's a lot more to get to. Uh, Sean, one more time, let's plug away topheavyweights.com and why they need to be there. There's a lot of resources within the site, including the schedule. You've got your own top heavyweights contender list, news items. Right. Plug away some more, please, before we're gone. Yeah, it's got your news. I mean, basically what we're trying to do is if you're following the NHL or the NFL or the NBA, it's nice to have a website to go to that presents the entire structure so you can see what's happening. So what Top Heavyweights is trying to do is if you're interested in the heavyweight division, the past, the present and the future, you can go to the site and it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, especially in the world of boxing. But you get to see the heavyweight division structured with a schedule, with results, with latest news, with videos, cover stories. Uh, it is your online magazine for the heavyweight division. And it links to places like Big Fight Weekend. It links to any source in the world where it could be YouTube fights, links to things. We've also got features on um, legendary heavyweights with you know stories about them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a labor of love for us. And um, we believe that it's fun to follow the heavyweight division. It's, um, it's like a, a slow-moving story if you will i don't know but I, hey, I, but yeah. it's a story that's picking up steam with the fury win over dillian white with an undisputed title fight we believe god help us july with the contenders around it and who who wants to get in front of tyson fury or get in front of the winner of that uh usik joshua fight if they can yeah july july 23rd is apparently solidifying as the date for uh the unified heavyweight championship between usik and joshua the rematch all right, let's see if that is happening in July. Yeah. And from your lips to them getting in the ring, let's hope it happens. Listen, we got about a minute left. Yep. Can you believe that we sat here for about 30, 40 minutes talking heavyweights? I love that. Uh, and can we do it again? Please, I let's do it again. I Listen, if I wasn't on this podcast, I'd be listening to this podcast. <laughs> so I like it. And there are people like me around the world who find it interesting to focus on one division and then... Uh, they use, I mean, for new people, it's great because uh, they can now start to follow the rest of the boxing world. Big fight weekend, you get the rest of the story. And um, we're just giving them the overview and the heavyweight division. We enjoy doing it. And uh, it's a labor of love. So. Engage again at Top Heavyweights on social media, topheavyweights.com to find more of the written content from Sean. The podcast is, is here, part of the Big Fight Weekend yep. podcast network. Again, I say semi-regularly. We'll be back soon with another one. But for right now, you were aces, my friend, on the first edition of the topheavyweights.com podcast. You're like an up-and-coming contender. I love that about you. Did you have fun? I had a great time. It's great to be here. Uh, if we can... Uh... If we can entertain people and give them some solid content in a period of 30 minutes or so, I'm pleased. Love that. Sean, great job. Again, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you're following or subscribing on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. That's where you'll find the topheavyweights.com podcast. Sean is the purveyor, the owner, the operator of that site. Continued success with the site, my friend. Good to be with you, Sean. I appreciate it. Pleasure. And, and we uh, thank you for listening to TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast.